Welcome to Meet the iPhone Photographer at the Apple Store Regent Street in London. Would you please welcome our guests this evening, Alistair Wheeler, and this series host, Dan Rubin. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Thanks for coming out tonight. Uh, as was mentioned, this is uh, a series. It's a series that's just kicked off. Uh, each month, I'm going to be interviewing a different iPhone photographer, um, getting to hear some of their stories about how they get into photography in general, how they got into shooting with an iPhone, and uh, stories behind some of their favorite images, and uh, also working through some of their workflow. So tonight, all the way from Paris, France, is uh, our guest, the young and talented Alistair Wheeler. Uh, so. Uh, Alistair, how does it feel to be back in London? Um, well, to be honest with you, uh, Dan, uh, it, is, it is very good uh, for me tonight to be uh, here in London. Uh, I was born here, um, and I am very happy. Uh, so, no, it's not going <laughs> to go on like this for the whole hour. Some of you um, were worried, though, weren't you? Oh, my God, it's going to be an yeah, hour of that. Yeah, I've seen faces, people getting really worried, and someone tried to leave, I think. <laughs> um, but no, it's not going to go on like this. <laughs> this is what would have happened. Like most people back in Paris speak like this. But um, no, I'm bilingual, so... Uh, Alistair and I actually met um, a few months ago doing a project that was a bit of an exchange between Paris and London. It was pretty cool, and... Uh, he did that accent when I think I first met him, and once I decided I was going to invite him here, I said, you have to do that when we start out. Thankfully, it's not going to be an hour of that. So, um, so yeah, but uh, 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 Alistair grew up in London, uh, and uh, he's spent plenty of time here as well. Uh, but that's not what we're going to really talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about his, um, his journey as a photographer, and, and uh, especially shooting on an iPhone. So... Um, Actually, just uh, before we get into some of the stories of your photos themselves, um, just talk a little bit about um, uh, what photography kind of means to you, the place that it holds in your life, because uh, you're not a photographer. No, 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 not at all. I, I actually study um, software engineering, um, so nothing to do with photography. It's just um, I've always had a camera. Uh, I've always taken pictures, not really caring about the horizon, being straight, no editing, uh, no nothing. And then I joined Instagram um, maybe two years ago. Uh, and I used to use it on my iPod Touch fourth generation. So I had a BlackBerry back then. And that wasn't great to take photos with. But um, yeah, so just started following people and getting inspired by their photos um, and thinking, well, maybe I can try to do the same thing. I mean, use a mobile device to go out shooting. I, the iPod was fine. It did. I mean, it did the job, and then bought myself an iPhone, and that's what really kicked it off, because just by the fact that it's so easy just to carry around and shoot wherever um, you're going. So, What happened to the, uh, the BlackBerry? Oh, um, I actually got a bit bored during a class at uni, and decided to just open it up and see what was going on inside, and like ended up, I think it's somewhere lost in the gardens of uni, <laughs> like just <laughs> broken into pieces. Nice. Cool. Uh, well, so there we go. The, um, we'll talk more about um, some of your other photographic history a little bit later, but um, let's dive into some of your photos themselves. Okay, so I live in Paris. Uh, it's been two years now. And Paris is probably one of the most cliche 
place you could think of. I mean, everything looks as if it was out of a postcard. Um, now, I love landmarks. Uh, although I try to like not identify myself as a landmark photographer, uh, two of my favorite ones are the Eiffel Tower, obviously, and the Louvre Pyramids, um, which is a museum. Well, some of you, most of you might know that. Um, yeah, and so I just love going around these places. Uh, the Eiffel Tower looks great whatever time of day, uh, whatever you're doing, just taking a serious photo or a selfie or just that kind of stuff. And the Louvre to me is a really inspiring place. It's where I started to uh, take proper photos and learning about like the different lights you have during throughout the day. Um, so there we go. But th my main goal was to try to get out of the cliché kind of photography that we would find in magazines and try to bring my audience a different perspective on these landmarks. Now that's a that's a hard thing to do in any popular yeah. location too. So when you're when it's the city you live in and those of you who live in London, you know, it's the same kind of thing. It just uh, uh, we're walking past landmarks every day with tourists taking the exact same photos and so as a photographer you you tend to sometimes avoid those just because you feel like it's overdone. And yet, they're also some of the most photogenic things around you. Uh, how do you, what made you, first of all, not want to avoid them and instead take a different approach? Well, I think like the photos from the Trocadero in Paris of the Eiffel Tower, uh, we've seen them, most of them. You can take it like at nighttime, it won't be the same day, what are people, empty, sunrise, sunset. Um, it always looks different. Um, the photo you can see of the Eiffel Tower right here, um, I took uh, during this uh, car show in Paris where these antique cars just drive through Paris and found myself to be in the right place at the right time where this Fiat 500 just drove past. And um, there we go. So, But the other um, main thing I try to do is find new perspectives, new views on these landmarks. Um, now, the photo right here, if ever you go to Paris, uh, don't bother queuing up down by the Eiffel Tower. Um, the queue is like three hours long. And when you get up there, well, you have the fantastic views, but you're missing all the fun. You're missing the Eiffel Tower, right? So, and you get instead the Tour Montparnasse, which is where this photo was taken from. And the Tour Montparnasse is about something like 10 euros to go up. You have a 360 degree view, which is crazy, sunroof where you can just lie down there, not many people, and you have the Eiffel Tower in the shot. So to me, that's what I kind to, that, that's what I tend to, that's the advice I give. You can see the Arc de Triomphe if you look carefully, the Invalides. Um, so you get all the Parisian landmarks and you're blocking, you're getting rid of this enormous tower, which is the Tour Montparnasse and it's not ni one of the nicest buildings in Paris, uh, according to me. Now that's, have any of you been to, uh, to New York? Right, um, some of you may have discovered this, this trick already. Th this, is the, this is something that you can do in a lot of cities. And I, um, but uh, in New York, uh, you can go up the Empire State Building, or if you want a view of the Empire State Building, which is a nicer view, you can go up to the top of the Rockefeller Center, the top of the rock. And New Yorkers kind of will recommend that instead because it's also it's a shorter wait most of the time and you get to see the Empire State Building. Um, now, even knowing that, though, all the times I've been to Paris, it never occurred to me to get this view. Yeah, most people don't know about the Montparnasse Tower. It's like... You can't miss it, but... No, you can't <laughs> miss it, but you don't necessarily know that you can... Although the ads are all over the place. 
people don't seem to know that you can actually go. So I recommend if ever you go to Paris, go to the Montparnasse Tower. Fantastic. Um, queue up for 20 minutes, and then you're you've got all Paris, uh, 360 degree view of Paris, which is fantastic. So then other things I like to do is well shoot at sunrise. Um, I haven't managed to do that often because waking up that early uh, is pretty tough every now and then. But the Seine, uh, which is the river that goes through Paris, is fantastic. I mean, at sunrise, uh, you get this mirror reflection that you don't get um, during the daytime because obviously there's boats going back and forth. Um, and so sunrise, you get the fantastic lights, uh, every landmark, this is the Tuileries, which surrounds the, muse uh, the Louvre Museum. Uh, you get all these landmarks in reflections, which I love reflections, so it looks, to me, it looks fantastic at in the morning and Paris is empty and really quiet, so it's a great time to shoot, like sunrise, light-wise, and for the Seine, the mirror effect. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's an easy way, I think, to uh, both get a common view without a lot of people. Generally, when I'm traveling, I know uh, if I go out at sunrise, which I try to do whenever I can, the only people I'm seeing are the occasional runner and other photographers. Right. But <laughs> generally, you get rid of the crowds, people. which is great. Um, and and it's just, it's a, I think it's an easy way to, to get, again, a common view, and but put a, less, a far less common spin on it. It might be common for a lot of professional photographers, but that's a really, really small percentage of the population. And it's so easy to do when you're traveling. Right. Just yeah. wake up a little early. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, yeah, that's the, that's the idea, biggest problem. But, <laughs> but it's definitely worth it likewise. That's cool. And um, yeah, so back to the Louvre again. Um, this is actually, I think, late afternoon during sunset-ish type of day. Uh, it was raining again in Paris like it is most days. Um, but as you can see, uh, yeah, you get sort of reflection type business going on uh, with the Louvre, which is, again, one of my favorites. Um, and it just looks amazing, that structure, the symmetry, which I love also, the clouds. So it's, once again, bringing a perspective. And as you can see, there's hardly no one there. Uh, so people don't go out, obviously, when it's raining. It's not the nicest thing, nicest weather. Um, but there's definitely places that you'd see when it's nice, bright, sunny sky that you don't and that are worth seeing when it's raining and cloudy and moody um, and it's empty. So that's one of the best things for Paris. Uh, now, one of the things that, that I, I liked immediately um, about Alistair's photography is, is that uh, even having been to Paris a bunch of times before, as a photographer as well, like there, were, there just there was something something unique about the way he was portraying everything. I mean, that, this is what I, I, I noticed about you even the first time we were chatting about it, is that you're, you were intent on showing things slightly different. Even, um, even something like uh, a common landmark, but in the bad weather, in the, in the more moody setting. Um, and uh, I mean, even this, though, th th there's, there's, some, there's an edit story to this as well, isn't yeah. there? It's um it's an app that's called Mixtures. I don't know. It's not um aren't many people using that app. Um, but what it allows to do is add filters that are pretty strong most of the time. But there's this ND filter uh, which darkens the top half of the image, 
Um, and this allowed me to bring out um, all the cloud detail and all the moodiness. The only problem with that is, uh, if you look at the buildings around it, well, they're a bit dark. And that's what, to me, that's what doesn't make this photo as good as it could be, because <laughs> we're missing all the details in the buildings. And the Louvre is just like, all the details in the architecture is fantastic. And that's the only thing I not too keen still on. Still bugs you, doesn't it, whenever yeah, you look at it? it does. Like <laughs> that dark spot on the right of the photo, yeah, doesn't work for me. But um, otherwise, so those, those yeah. of you who, who, who might feel like you're perfectionists and you're never happy with your work, just don't worry, it happens to everyone. Yeah, <laughs> it does. So the next thing I love to take photos of in Paris are the streets. Well, what I do most of the time is just and that's why an iPhone is just so handy. You can just, I just stand in the middle of the street, take a photo, and just that's about it. I tend to, so that's what I did at the beginning, um, looking for lights, different spots, the shadows, uh, the reflection like of the windows on the street, um, and just playing around with that, just going around the different streets of Paris, uh, looking for the architecture. Well, after a minute or so, like, that gets pretty boring and people, yeah, I mean, the streets don't all look the same, but it's the same kind of feel to them if like dead centered in the middle. And I, yeah, I, I got bored kind of that kind of uh, photos. So what I try to do is um, get higher up. Now, that's what I did. I got up onto rooftops. Now, the problem with rooftops is it's really hard to get up onto, a uh, bit risky because it's a pretty high fall if you fall off. Um, and if you get caught by a neighbor, it's not the nicest 10 minutes of your life. So um, yeah, because if you imagine three or four people up on the rooftop with a camera um, or even cell phones just wandering around, just pointing a phone everywhere uh, all over the place, they're wondering what you're doing there. So that was a bit, yeah, it was re it's really fun uh, because you get to these places that no one's or very few people have been, except if you're a chimney sweeper, but I'm not. So um, for photographers to get up on the streets and bring this whole new perspective of Paris from above is, is really is great. I mean, it's, well, yeah. I th what, this, what this is about, I mean, it's, it's similar to me, I think, to the idea of... Uh, uh, taking landmarks and trying to take a different spin on them, yeah. whether it's a different time of day or anything else, is that just finding a different physical perspective, uh, and and uh, it's it's worth making that effort, especially in a, I think in a in a city that you're living in, where it's very very easy to start ignoring the details that are around you because you're just seeing them from the same point of view all the time, and most of the imagery that we see of a city we live in is from eye level and street level. So uh, taking a little bit of effort like yeah. that, I think, makes a real big difference. But I love your rooftop shots. I mean, that's Thank one of you. the first things I think that I I saw. With then I saw the landmark stuff, but the rooftops just are so striking. Yeah. Thank you very much. But um, so, but the thing is, since I'm not looking to get a leg broken or actually dying off a rooftop, uh, well, I decided <laughs> to not. change the perspective in a kind of different way, um, which is instead of rising myself up into the air, why not my iPhone? Now, some of you might recognize this bridge. Uh, it's from the Inception film, so it's called the Birakeim Bridge. Um, that scene with the mirrors and whatnot. So um, 
And what I did, I'm going to share my photography tip here with you. Um, what I did is I actually have a tripod that I use for my DSLR. Um, I bought this sort of grip um, thing that I could just screw onto my tripod and put my iPhone in and unfolded the tripod, used the shutter release from the headphones. If you plug in your headphones into your iPhone, uh, you can use the volume rocker to um, trigger the camera. So put the iPhone onto the tripod, um, which goes out to probably 2.5 meters or something like that. Uh, extend it completely and just put it up in the air. Now, it's not the easiest kind of photography because when your phone is up, a four-inch screen is up like three meters up in the air, you can't really see what's going on. So you're just clicking away and hoping you get that shot. Um, but you kind of know what you're expecting. Um, so there we go. It's pretty fun to see me do it because I'm trying to balance this tripod up in the air and clicking away, holding with one hand and with the other, I'm just like clicking away. Um, but it allows me to get shots like this, and these are perspectives that most people haven't seen before from that high up. Um, so it works well with this, and it also, to me, works well in just regular streets where I'd be normally eye level, um, just rise them up that high. Now, the reason why I wanted to do this is also because, so on Instagram, I follow a lot of New Yorkers, and I wanted and it just drives me crazy to see these enormous avenues with these really high buildings and perspectives going way down the street. I couldn't get that in Paris because Paris is a pretty flat city. Maximum, you get six-story flats or buildings. Um, so it was a nice way to be able to get that perspective from high up and to get all the lines, leading lines of the buildings. That's so fantastic. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those... Uh, tricks that's incredibly obvious after the fact, but um, uh, as much of, as, as much of uh, your photography like this that I'd seen, it just never quite clicked. I was just being drawn into the images. I wasn't trying to think about how you shot them. Uh, and it's such a simple little trick. I like to, to get people to do the opposite a lot of the time when I'm teaching photography, just to, rather than shooting at eye level, to just like bend down or get closer to the ground and you get just a different perspective that looks amazing because it's what people aren't used to seeing. But it's a great reminder that you can easily go the other direction while still just standing on the street. I think it's so cool. Definitely. You must meet you. The only problem is uh, you shouldn't be scared of people looking at you weirdly because <laughs> you're waving around this 2.5 well, meters. People look at you weirdly anyway, don't they? Uh, yeah, they do. But I mean, not for the same reason. <laughs> um, yeah, so. That's my change of perspective on the Parisian streets. Um, now, the last point I wanted to uh, talk about was my inspiration. Now, to be honest, and this might sound a bit cheesy, but um, my inspiration is just basically the people I follow um, on Instagram, all my photographer friends. Um, yeah, it's just... If it weren't for the people I followed on Instagram uh, back when I started, I wouldn't be where I am today with my photos because seeing that they could do that kind of uh, photo with an iPhone uh, well made me thinking, well, maybe I can too. And just meeting them and getting to share the techniques and how they, t yeah, how they take photos, how they edit them and how they compose and just meeting people. Well, how um, did... Um like w what was your your first experience of that of of meeting people in kind of this this community that exists around shooting well with 
it uh, was with your phones. It, it was. Um, I, I remember. I got a comment one day on this photo. Um, a Louvre photo, again, um, of someone saying, "Hey, we have uh, these groups in Paris um, of photographers. Uh, we do meetups every now and then." Uh, just bring in all together uh, different photographers from Paris uh, to shoot around town. Um, if you want to come, here are the details and just join in whenever. So went along, uh, felt really awkward just coming along to this place where everyone knew each other already and I'm turning up, uh, just a kid, and they're all older than me and I'm like, hey, I'm trying to take photos with my phone. Um, and it's just, I mean, it, it just went really well um, because the, the thing is on Instagram, no one takes it really seriously. I mean, it's all very uh, just fun to, to walk around, take photos, chat, um, get advice, give advice whenever you have some. Um, but there we go, yeah. And recently my, my objective for this year was to meet as many uh, photographers from Paris that I could or just around the world so whenever some person out of Paris was over in in Paris uh, I was like yeah let's meet straight away and like jumping on them wanting to meet get a portrait uh, get to know the person and just trying to get inspiration from people from all out all over the world I've met people from San Francisco South Africa London um, yeah so it's just that's what drives me today um, seeing on Instagram people pushing the limits uh, of what you can do with a mobile phone. Um, it's something that strikes me too about the difference in uh, photography, uh, the, 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 the way that people who, who capture amazing images uh, relate to other photographers is, is changing because of things becoming more social inherently. Uh, it, I'm, any of you who have been around photography for uh, for a while, prior to things like Instagram and, and uh, the the social nature of it, have probably experienced the fact that like a lot of photographers don't, especially if they're professional or even semi-professional, there's not a lot of sharing that goes on between them of tips and techniques. Everyone's much more, in general, much more closed off, and it, it seems to be the exact opposite with uh, with things like Instagram because there's this. Uh, different type of connection between people and their work and the people that they follow and admire in some sort of way. Like I remember the weekend that I uh, we did this this project together, I remember us being back on the London side and uh, there were a bunch of people all hanging out together at a, a, a cafe at the end of this afternoon. And Alistair and I were sitting in a corner, kind of having been just very, very uh, engaged in, in conversation with everyone who was there, you know, 30 or 40 people around that afternoon and during this photo walk all afternoon. It was great. And we just needed a little bit of downtime. And we were both sitting next to each other editing <laughs> quietly. Uh, but then we just started kind of swapping you do things, yeah. advice and going like, oh, what would you do here? Oh, yeah, how about this? Oh, and then we kind of like traded phones for a minute and, and made some edits to each other's photos and, and handed them back. You would never see that happen anywhere else. Also, because it's kind of awkward to swap laptops in the same way, or it, there's something really accessible about the entire process, uh, and it it leads to it leads to the things that you just don't see otherwise. Now that that inspiration ends up going uh, both ways all the time, uh, and it's not just the learning; it's just seeing someone else's passion that 
you know, in person when they're running around shooting pictures and seeing how crazy they do their thing. I, it, it's fantastic. Huh. Um, well, I think we're going to uh, um, we're going to go through a little bit of your editing process and some some examples here. Um, uh, we're going to have time for for questions as well uh, once we're done with this. But um, uh, one of the things that I think is important in and I, and I want everyone who's going to be part of this series to do is to kind of show what happens behind the the final image. Because I think for for a lot of people, we get to see photography. Uh, in all its various forms, in advertising and marketing, um, even just on Instagram, online. But what we see is the finished photo. And uh, a lot of us, uh, a lot of the time, it's too easy to forget that a lot of work sometimes goes into these photos. It might actually be a little bit of work, but it's some sort of work. And when we're looking at our own imagery uh, and we're trying to make our photos better, especially if you're starting out, it's it's sometimes very difficult to make that leap between the image that you take, and how do I how do I get that finished image? Uh, so one of the parts of every one of these these uh, these months in the series is going to be pulling back the curtain like that. So uh, Alistair has very graciously been willing to show us his crappy originals, and I'm kidding. It's not they're <laughs> not they're not bad. Yeah, but being uh, able to see this and see the apps that that someone uses, I think I learn a lot. And even just going over this. Uh, the other day with, with Alistair of what he was going to show, I was learning things that I hadn't tried before. So hopefully you'll all learn the same thing. Okay, so, well, I prepared a few um, photos, uh, but I was out shooting all afternoon, uh, and I figured that maybe a good idea was to show you how I'll edit like straight away. So the main app I use is Visco. Now, Visco is pretty, it's probably the best one out there. Um, it allows you to, first of all, like store all your photos, or the ones you're editing, plus, uh, well, ad actually edit the photos. So, oh, shameless selfie. Um, so, over here. So let's go, let's say, with this photo right here. So. This is just a basic shot. I tend to shoot uh, like square straight away, uh, so I, I know exactly what I'm gonna get. Um, and do you normally shoot directly in the native iPhone no. camera? Uh, yeah, I, I shoot in the native iPhone camera just because it's so easy to access from the lock screen directly. And if when you want to capture that moment, um, it's just the easiest thing to do. Now, this photo, um, the light was good. I was I like the no entry. Um, sign on the ground, uh, like the yellow lines leading to that vanishing point. Um, now, what I would do is straight away apply my favorite filter, which is A6, <laughs> um, on now the Visco. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with, with how Visco works, they've got this, uh, their filters or presets, like a lot of different apps do, including Instagram. Uh, their, their naming system is, is a little weird, to be yeah, honest. I, I don't understand why it works. <laughs> the logic behind that is but, but it works everyone like people who use the app know what you're talking about when you say okay i used g2 or whatever so and each each uh, preset has so this is the analog a yeah that that works maybe that's the reason why well whatever so um this this to me um basically just 
putting that filter on uh, works. You can have, like, by pressing down, you can see the before and after. It just pops out the entry and the yellow um, lines. Then what I'll do is go over to the um, actual in-depth uh, editing uh, section. So I would always add in one notch of fade just to bring out a bit of the shadows, um, sharpen it a bit, and then always go back and forth between the original and what I'm actually getting. Um, then I'd change the highlights because I, I like to have um, my highlights slightly bluish on the blue side of things. Um, so here I can select from red, cream, yellow, green, blue, and purple, I believe. So yeah, I like to go to the blue, but always bring it down round two or three. So that works out for me. And on the shadow side of things, I like to bring out Red is one I, I use most often. It brings out, it adds a nice tone, red or orange, add a nice tone to the street. Uh, works really well on the cobblestones in Paris. Um, so that's just about it. Um, well, to start off with, it wasn't a photo that needed that much editing. I could have just put on that filter and that's just about it. But it's all these minor tweaks that you do to the photo that make it different as in like this is the way I would see things I've, I've uh, like taught my eye to see all the highlights in blue and whenever there's a cast of light see that in bluish tints and then I would always add well the tint to take it to the blue side of things um, and then that's just about it for that photo um, now another app I, I I've just noticed this another app I like to use is called touch retouch um, now, some people would call that cheating. Um, I call that tweaking, <laughs> I guess. Um, it, it's, see, down here. We won't call it cheating here. Down here, there's, now I don't know, do not litter. Don't put the things on the ground uh, when you finish them. I don't know what this is, but it's bothering me and it is, it's distracting. So, just go over to Touch Retouch. Upload the photo. This is also one of my favorite apps as well. It, it's. Uh, if any of you who are familiar with, with using Photoshop for any of its retouching, especially its heel tool or then a similar one in Lightroom, uh, this is essentially that. It also has a clone tool in it. It's really fantastic that it exists on a device. So basically, I just go to the paintbrush, um, choose a normal kind of size and just brush over. Now what's good is that it shows you in red what you've been, what you've retouched. So, and then once I'm done, I just press the play and voila. That never gets old. It's it's done. And there's this little thing over here also. And that might be able to go. See? So there we go. Now that all that's gone. And then just save it back to camera roll. And that's just about it. Very cool. Now something you told me uh, uh, the other day uh, about editing actually is interesting to me. T about your your uh, uh, history to date as a photographer, because you've, before getting into shooting with your iPod Touch and with an iPhone, you had a camera. Yeah. But yeah, I had um, those disposable wind-up cameras thing uh, that I used to take on camp. And I would take photos of everything and anything. Like, I would take a photo of my toes. <laughs> I would take a photo of the seats in the bus, uh, you know, just 
everything and just I found everything interesting and then when I went out to actually get the film printed uh, well ended up with went out on vacation and ended up having 20 photos on my feet uh, for whatever reason but then I also had a DSLR um, which was a 1000D Canon I believe um, and I was always uh, I used to shoot with that quite a lot um, went on vacation and then I was that's when I actually got into looking for straight horizons for the first thing um, yes yeah, so I, I would use that but I wouldn't edit at all I would just upload them to the my lap to my laptop and that's just about it um, so the the so now that so you're editing yeah, the w not the just the editing workflow, but the idea of editing and doing post-production is has something come that has come from 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 the iPhone apps and the apps yeah. that are there. Another one I I like to use is so this is a shot. So this is the unedited shot, um, as you might guess. Um, now, so shot I took in Paris, um, maybe two or three days ago at sunset. I was just happening to walk down. Uh, this is close to where I live, um, walking down the street. And I liked the way the sun was hitting the ground, and I just caught it when that man was uh, walking across the street. So I'm going to go you through this one. Now, the first thing is I crop. Now, I didn't shoot this one in square uh, for whatever reason. Um, but I would the, the, the main rule in photography is the rule of thirds. Now, I'm trying to pr um, put that man at one third of my of the of the photo, so that works just about right for me. Then we can maybe straighten straighten that out, I guess. And then you can always go back. No, there's no back and forth. So um, then I'd apply a filter, which is I like these ones, all these essence they call them, which is very poetic. Um, at this and then. That looked good enough to me, but then I remembered I had this app called Mextures, which I mentioned earlier with that Louvre photo. So if I just save this to my camera roll, I can go back to, I can go to this app called Mextures, which has tons of filters. Um, so there's the photo. Uh, it's already cropped, but never mind. And you can go to, um, where is it? Landscape enhance, I figure. I think. No, it's not that. Sorry, I'm a bit. Start over. So take this again. <laughs> so this idea of of editing in multiple apps, though, is something that uh, um, once you discover it, you're you always do it. You realize that there's this. Uh, you can do one thing here, save it to the camera roll, open up in another app, save it again, uh, and there's. Uh, there, there's a, there's usually a chain that most photographers I know have figured out that there, there's some sort of process where they know that most of the time they're going to do like any retouching, touch retouch. They know exactly where they need to go for that because the apps are very focused. Um, and you know something like Mextures, you have now that you've figured out what it does and and that you like what it does, you n you know when uh, a photo is probably going to require it. Yeah. So this one uh, required mixtures because I know about this filter called Abalone. Yeah. Okay. Abalone. And I wanted that 
half, if you split the photo in two uh, diagonally, um, I wanted that half on the right to be orangey, to bring out the sun and bring out the light on the ground. So what Mextures allows you to do, you have all these filters with a sort of preview on a white, I believe, background or black background uh, to what it does to the photo. So this is a bit strong for me. I don't like too much color, uh, just very subtle. Um, I don't see things in color or black and white. I see them kind of in between both, if that makes sense. So I could always, I can bring up the intensity of this just to see what it looks like. But then I change that to they have blending mode, so this is overlay. So what it's doing is just taking the filter and putting it over the photo. But what you can use is this thing called soft light. And I don't know, the difference is really subtle. If you go back to overlay, see how the ground is really orangey and the top left is relatively red? If I go back to soft light, well, the top, top left corner has gone back to that grayish kind of color, but we still kept that orangey, golden kind of lights on the bottom right uh, corner. So I can intensify that a bit or bring it down. But I like it just around there. And then save it to camera roll. And that's just about it. So what this allowed me to do is, since that's not a feature, that's what came out of Visco. Um, so if I quickly upload that one again, these two. See, so that's the before, no, after, sorry, and before. So you can see it brought out that sun has got way warmer and looks better, according to me. So that's, that's the, so they're the two big apps I use. But I also recently discovered while talking with Dan um, during our exchange program through London and Paris, um, this app called Screwit, um, which allows you to, so to, to just correct lens um, distortion. Um, now, this is a bridge in Paris called uh, Pont de Bercy. Um, and it has this fantastic perspective, like all the lines follow each other, um, and the light looks good uh, in it. So this is the before shot. Um, when I processed it, so I'm, I'm going to try and do this right now. So screw it. Yeah, just allows you to tweak the photo to bring forward or backwards uh, the different, f the different. Uh, yeah, to bring forward or backwards the photo. I'll show you how this works. So um, first of all, you can check if it's straight. And the cool thing is, you can actually zoom onto the photo while still having the grid up there. So this looks kind of straight. I guess. I think so. Yeah, so let's say that's straight. For those of how many of you are fans of architectural photography? Like, right? Yeah. Uh, it's very appealing to us. I think humans, we, we, like, uh, we like our straight lines, too. And that's something that uh, what, what Screwit basically is trying to do is, is help us correct parallax distortion, which, um, you know, we, we, when we have a fixed film plane, or uh, essentially fixed film and les lens plane, and that's not parallel. If this is our, our, our phone, and it's at a bit of an angle because we're taking a picture of a building, well, it's not parallel now to the plane of the building itself. And so that's what, in our photos of, of architecture, makes those parallel lines actually seem like they're receding in some sort of way. So, And that can happen not just with buildings, but any kind of physical structure. And uh, you can 
try to correct that by by just lining your uh, your camera up so it is parallel, but sometimes that's not possible. And if you really like your straight lines, uh, an app like Screwit is is basically allowing you to correct for the parallax distortion. So which is the the bringing pretty forward cool. and backwards uh, process is if I go to the right, this brings the bottom part of my picture towards me. And if I go to the left, it brings the top one. Now, I was hol probably holding my phone upwards. So I have to bring the top part towards me. So if I go around here, that looks, and I go to these pillars over here, they have to be relatively straight, you see? So that's, and then one again, once again, you can see the before and after. Now, when you look at it like this, where it looks fine, but if you look at the before, see the, the difference between the pillars being at a slight angle and then straight. It's so a relatively minor tweak, but uh, like with a lot of things, like with brightness tweaks or a, or a highlight or shadow tweak, they're all fairly minor adjustments that when you add them up over the course of an entire image and uh, you stack all these minor little adjustments and tweaks to your own taste, it ends up adding up to a photo that's very different in a lot of ways than what you feel you would be able, you might be able to take yourself, unless you understand that those kind of steps go into it, which is what I love about this stuff. Um, now, I, I, I want to make sure that, that everyone in the audience gets a chance to ask some questions, because I'm sure they have a lot for you. Uh, they'd better. Um, only in French, please. I'm <laughs> kidding. Uh, uh, and again, when, when we get to questions, we do have uh, microphones at either end. So if you can raise your hand, and just wait until a microphone gets to you and then ask the question, that would be fantastic. Um, so let's, let's get a few in here. Who do we have? You right in front row over here. Let's start with you. If we can pass the microphone down. Everyone's friends. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, my background is legal, not IT. So uh, it's a big challenge for me to kind of gain expertise in these things. Um, I work for a charity and we use um, collages that we send off to funders and demonstrate our um, work. Mm. Is there an app out there that would we can just tick which photos we want and it would create a collage that could be printed out there and then, or emailed? There are. There are, uh, there are quite a few that I'm yeah, trying to remember the first, off the top the of my one head. Off top of my head is called Diptych. Oh yeah, Diptych um, is fantastic. Allows you to, now I think it's only square though. Um, I think it, it allows you to do other other proportions yeah, as well. It's, yeah, it's um, all it is is let's say you'd have um, a square canvas and you can choose how you want to cut that out, and you can just add through your camera roll just the different pictures and create a whole uh, an entire picture uh, with all the ones you've selected. Now those are those are m it's made up of rectangles as opposed to like if you're thinking a layered collage. There are other apps. I, I, I can't think of off the top of my head which ones, but what I would actually do is just search in the App Store for, uh, for photo collage. And there are a lot of them that uh, I've come across in the past that will just automate it, randomize, um, but allow you to do that and allow you to save those out at, at high res. And they can be photos that you've taken on the iPhone, or there can be photos that you've just imported into the iPhone and you use through the app as well. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. And Alistair, can you make Crystal Palace Tower look as good as Paris's Eiffel Tower? <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to. <laughs> Thank you. Who's next? Someone else had their hand up in the front row. You, sir. Uh, Alistair, thanks for the talk, man. Really good. Why no pictures of the Pompidou? 
Oh, the Pumpy Doo. Yeah. Uh, I haven't taken any pictures of the Pumpy Doo. For real? Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> I was just going to say, though, Instagram for me, same way, inspiration. Do you work with anyone, like, or do you just kind of follow them and, um, should I say, kind of collaborate as such? Um, well, what do you mean, like, in Paris, if I yeah, meet up with when people? Yeah, when you talked about speaking with other people and photographers. Yeah, I, I, I hang out with a few, um, two or three photographers from Paris. Um they're not at all the same style as me, which is good because you get to see a uh, different perspective, a different kind of, uh, yeah, people don't see the things in the same way as you do. So the people I, I tend to go out with are really kind of oversaturated, over-edited. They use Photoshop. Um, they add in stars, uh, Milky Way in Paris, which I, I've never seen the Milky Way in Paris, to be honest, but they have. <laughs> Who's next? <laughs> Front row here. Hi. Um, Hello. How about close-up shots, like for product photography? How how effective is the apps or the iPhone for that? Um, what for product photography or macro? A macro okay. product photography. Well, um, for macro, I believe I don't own one, but I believe this company called. Uluclip or Oloclip, I think it is. Oloclip, sorry. Um, has you. Frenchman. Oh, okay. Um, has a lens that you can put onto your iPhone. Um, that's O double O double L O C L I P. I yeah. Yeah. And it just allows you to get macro shots. Uh, and r works really, really well. Um, and when it comes to product photography, uh, the camera just works. The same. I mean, the camera at the end of the day is just a sensor. Um, the product photography, you would need specific lights, uh, and that's got nothing to do with the uh, with the camera itself. The the iPhone takes really good pictures. Uh, you can print them out. Uh, it's very it's a very good quality uh, camera, and most of the things I post on Instagram and the f all the photos you've seen uh, today are all iPhone. Uh, all edited through iPhone, um, so yeah, it's all. It all depends on the light you're using. Uh, but what I recommend is this app called Cortex Cam, which allows you to um, take uh, really sharp quality pictures in low light situation. Uh, it produces a 12 megapixel file, um, which is it's magic, really. It's magic, it's yeah. Pretty no, fantastic. Really. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it takes a bit of time, and you have to be relatively steady with your hands uh, because it like stacks up. I don't exactly know how it works, but I believe it stacks up different photos. Yeah, well, and it it it, it averages out over the course of a handful of different pictures. It a it's able to average out a lot of the uh, the noise that you might get in low light situations, which isn't if you're flooding something with light, especially if you're trying to do product photography, you wouldn't necessarily have that. But um, what it what it's a good example of is that there are app developers who are figuring out what some of the common problems might be, or even not so common problems, and trying to figure out if they can provide a solution to that in the camera, uh, which is something that we don't get with uh, with a lot of SLRs. You have most of the solutions are actually after you've taken the picture and when you're when you're actually doing the editing. The benefit of uh, of an iPhone t is that it's the computer and the camera all in one. So uh, a lot of what, a lot of the way that people like Alistair and myself find 
out about some of these solutions is by coming up against the problem and then trying to see if anyone we know or, uh, has has found an app that solves that yet, or just searching and playing around with apps. I end up downloading a ridiculous number of, oh yeah. uh, of photography-related photography apps, apps and have since since they became available, just to play with them and figure out what they do. And then one day I might realize that I need one for, to solve that particular problem. Um, There's a ton out there. I yeah. Mean, and it's it's whatever. fun. It's fun to yeah. play with them. Um, yeah. Next uh, question. It's just wondering. Um, do you use a five S and do you use anything like an Olo clip or any other attachments, or do you just use your phone just plain as it is? Um, I actually use an iPhone five, um, and I don't own a uh, Olo clip. Um, I've used one before. Um, but yeah, it's um I don't the only other attachment I use is the one to put onto my tripod uh whenever I'm shooting something like a time lapse or something like that. But otherwise it's all my phone. I don't use exterior light sources or whatever. All all in the phone. I think we got time for uh two more questions. Don't be shy. You again. All right, no. That's fine. You're being greedy now. I know. Do you know what? People aren't talking, so. <laughs> I'm bringing to market a case that in embeds sort of like a quarter-inch thread, you know? So time lapses, as you just mentioned, would you use an accessory, i.e. a case, or do you just prefer plain and simple? Because everyone does like a sleek iPhone, you know, just. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a big case person. Uh, but for purpose? <laughs> for purpose, it depends how bulky it is. Yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, it, it really depends what features it brings to the iPhone, but Definitely. I'm I'm fine just walking around with this thing that's maybe that big. Uh, I just clip my iPhone to that, and it, it just works fine. But maybe yeah, a case with that kind of thing inside it would cool. would work. I would love to send you something if that's all right. Definitely yeah? appreciate that, Alistair. Thanks. One more question: Who's gonna Who's gonna finish this up for us? Um, hi, thanks for coming over. Um, where would you most like to photograph? What what landmark or person or thing would you most like to photograph? That I haven't taken a photo of already. Yeah, that you oh. haven't done yet. Oh, I want to go question. to New York. <laughs> uh, whatever in New York. I just um, I've never been. Um, it's just because I follow so many Instagrammers from over there. I just feel the need to get my turn and try out like taking photos of that over there. I've um. I'd like to take a photo from space, maybe. <laughs> but I mean, I don't have the money yet. Um, but yeah, no. The the my my biggest objective, like in the next year or two, is to go to New York and spend just buy a ticket to go there, not no return ticket, and just spend as much time as I can <laughs> over there taking photos. Here we go. Good question and good answer. Well, uh, we'll we'll leave it at that. Um, if any of you want to hang around afterwards uh, and bend Alistair's ear more, he'll uh, he'll be here in the back of the room. Uh, but thank you again for coming out. Hope to see you again uh, next month and the months after when uh, we have our other guests. But uh, once again, thanks, Alistair, for coming over, and thanks, all thank of you. you.